Oh my god. Hey. Uh, call the police. Oh my god. Hey girl. <laughs> hey. Hey y'all. Hey y'all. It's been so long since we've seen you. Like, Oh my god. So fucking long girl. Call the police. It's been like a week. Lock your doors. Call the police. Wear your mask. <laughs> I'm so giggly today. You guys are in for a treat. It is. You guys are in for a treat today because I found one heck of a case that I think that you're going to find really interesting. How'd you find it? Reddit? No, I didn't find it on Reddit. I actually um, was, (laughs) I found it in that Danish book we were reading. It was, (gasps) um, this guy was referenced as a serial killer in this Danish book and I was like, Okay, I've got to do some more research because I recognized the first guy that she said, um, but I didn't recognize the second guy, so I did some more research, and I went down a rabbit hole. Oh, God. See, that's how you know I'm just like a sick fucking person because I just devoured these books and remember nothing after I black out. <laughs> so it was actually that first one. I recognized him because I've seen a Netflix documentary about him a long oh. time ago. And then the second guy, I was like, who is this? So I Googled him, and of course, I was like, wow, this is going to be our next podcast episode. But I want you to get ready because this is definitely a two-parter. I'm ready. Because when I tell you I started looking into this, it goes so deep. And I'm not even talking about, like, Reddit theory deep. I'm talking about real deep Um, because it is just insane. Oh my god, and you guys, I don't know if y'all noticed, but like we're basically fancy now because we have mics and headphones. We did get mics and headphones. We don't know if you can tell a difference yet, but we're (laughs) hoping that you can. (laughs) We can tell a difference. I feel fancy as fuck. I mean, honestly. I do feel fancy. No, just kidding. I actually feel like a 13-year-old gamer, but... (laughs) I still feel like a fancy 13-year-old gamer. Yeah, hopefully I'm not going to, like, verbally abuse anyone today. Well, I mean, except for you, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, what kind of friendship would we have if we didn't verbally abuse each other? Right. Exactly. Like, honestly, if I don't say, like, fuck you at least three times a day, like, I don't really like you, so. Yeah, well, good. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Sounds like marriage. Um, Yeah. Okay, so before we get started right now, I want you to take your phone, I want you to rate, review, and subscribe to Gals and Gore so that other people can find us and so that we become a real, legit podcast. Please subscribe. Oh, please. And please rate us. Like, even no matter what you think. If you think we're shit, just put, like, you guys are complete shit. Yeah, you guys are awful. We hate, like... I when I look at my phone and I see that you have a new episode out, I curse the day you were born. Like and totally I get excruciating great. diarrhea, and I hate you guys so much. But please, exactly. we would love to hear from you. We would love to know if that's what you think. Tell us. Oh my god, girl, tell us. We just want to know. Okay. <laughs> so first of all, another um, some more housekeeping. We have some corrections from last week. Yeah. <laughs> so I got really confused while you were talking because I was like, wait a minute, you're talking about these burial rites in Peru? And you were like, yeah, Peru. And when I doubled back, it, you were actually saying Persia, <laughs> which makes and more obviously sense. Obviously, I had too much wine. And I was like, totally. Yeah. yeah. Peru. That's Peru. where it is. Perfect. Yeah. Sorry, you guys. <clears throat> yeah, it was actually Persian burial rites, not Peruvian, uh, which makes more sense because that's on the same side of the world as the dig site in Iran. Well, Peruvian actually sounds fancier, so there you go. Right, but Peru is where there are, like, alpacas and, like, lots of mountains. And Well, that's where Persia's I want to be buried. Like the desert. I want to be buried with alpacas. <laughs> Perfect. I will just get started on that. Put that in your notes right away. Okay. Thank you. Done. Next correction. Um, (laughs) I was talking about my mom having some Crocs with fur. Jan, 
I just have to say that I was incorrect in my journaling and reporting. Um, it was actually my aunt, Sassy Penny, who well, has fur You know what? Crocs. How horrible of you, and now you don't even deserve to have a family. <laughs> just kidding. I, I wonder if they agree with you. I feel bad because I totally ruined my Aunt Penny's shout out because she's like the best. She's yeah, totally. She is awesome. I know. She's like um a doctor and she always has these cool insights for cases about medical things maybe she'll join us one day um but she does have crocs with fur Mm, so yeah Mm, i don't know if i i don't i won't ever i don't know maybe whenever i'm like really old not that she's really old. No, but I'm saying like maybe when I'm really old, like, and that's the only thing that will satisfy my foot comfort cravings, then maybe, yeah, I'll get some Crocs with fur. But like, as of now, it's a no for me. Not those orthopedic shoes with like the Velcro that comes over. <laughs> Never. I love those. <laughs> I Never. Want some, I want some of those right now. I'd if someone would like crossed. to donate some of those to the show, I wear a size six. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. This one's going to shake you to your core. Good. Grab a drink. Sit down. Enjoy yourself. Treat yourself, girl. Yeah, well, and some of this is just not enjoyable to listen to. But at the same time, it is incredibly um, fascinating what happened and then also the response to it. So we'll get into that later. So Hmm. today I'm going to tell you about the terrifying story of the monster of Belgium whose name was Mark Dutroux. Oh, God. Oh, Belgium. Oh, my God. You told me Botswana. No. You said, wait, what country was it? Botswana, Brazil? And I was like, yeah, it's Botswana. No, it's Belgium. So since we're talking about a Belgium case, there are so many French names in this. And while you and I do have extensive history um, pronouncing French things, I'm probably not going to embarrass myself that much and just, you know, try to say these like with my Americanized Southern accent instead of being like, you know, French. Let me get my leather jacket. Let's ride. Let's go. Okay. I'm so ready for this story. Okay. Hit so me. like I said, this is definitely going to be a two-parter because when I stumbled on this, I thought that there were only going to be a few layers to this case. But while I was researching, it just kept going like deeper and deeper, like I said. And like my jaw just kept dropping further and further and further. So This is a case I for sure had never heard about before, um, which was really shocking to me because it's so huge, but it does make sense because it wasn't something that was like blaring on our TVs here at home. At least I don't think so. Okay. Maybe if other people have like heard of this case or if you saw it when it came out, um, I'd love to hear from you about that or, you know, if you like have any recollections of this because this was just really interesting. So... This is an international case, obviously, because it took place in Belgium, but his crimes are some that shook the whole world, and it's noted that his arrest actually sparked protests that brought Belgium to the brink of a complete revolution. So I think that it would be helpful for us to kind of, like, discuss his early crimes and his, his life and okay. the things that are involved in this, and then also to discuss the major things that happened after his arrest and all the things that kind of went into that whole situation. So there is a lot of misconduct. There's a lot of evidence of possible cover-ups and oh. really just a rabbit hole of factual information that I find so mind-boggling and interesting. And I just think it would really be a disservice to try and fit everything about this man and his case in under an hour. So. Okay. Well, let's go. Yes. So I guess the first question is, who is Mark Dutroux and what did he do? Ooh. Okay, Dr. Seuss, hit me. Let's do this. Yeah, I didn't even mean to rhyme, but. (laughs) So first and foremost, Mark Paul Elaine Dutroux 
is a convicted child molester and murderer who was arrested in 1996 for the kidnapping, torturing, and sexual abuse of six girls, all between the ages of 8 and 19. Four out of those six girls actually died. Oh, my God. Yes. Detrue was arrested, and it was alleged that he had a lot of accomplices in all of his crimes. And some of this information has to do with his accomplices as well. So his crimes and arrests sparked a ton of conspiracy theories surrounding the Belgian justice system, law enforcement agencies, corruptions of the government by criminal enterprises, all of that. And I do think it's really relevant right now, especially with what's happening in the U.S. regarding the Jeffrey Epstein case and the issues with child trafficking that we're having, like, on American soil. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, especially with, like, that Wayfair scandal and, like... Oh, my God. I know. Don't even get me started. I'm, like, just in shock. It's exactly the same thing. Like, you're just going to be, like, what is going on? So... (laughs) Okay, so most of what we're going to talk about happened in Belgium in the mid-90s, from like 94 to 96. But before that, let's talk a little bit about Marc Dutroux. Um, So he was the oldest of five children, and his mother and father were Victor and Janine, and they were both teachers, so he reports that he was repeatedly beaten by both of his parents. Weren't we all? I'm just kidding. I mean, down here, that's a that's a thing. Like people get a lot of whippings, but okay. Yeah, well, I think that this went past like whippings and spankings. I think he was just saying that. Oh, like they beat the shit out of him. Yes, like it was oh. abusive. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> not like I, I take my comment back. That was insensitive. <laughs> not like, oh yeah, I'm gonna beat my kid uh, as a joke. As like for real, he was actually like beaten and abused by his parents. So they divorced in 1971, and Detroux left home. After that, he became a drifter and a male sex worker to get by, and mm-hmm. he was servicing other men. Okay. Dutroux got married at 20, and he had two children himself, and he admitted to beating his wife and cheating on her, and they separated in the 1980s, so. He already sounds like such a stand-up guy, like, wow. Right. Amazing. Age 20, he's just really making this marriage work. Yeah. (laughs) So, one of his mistresses that he was cheating on his first wife with, her name was Michelle Martin, or Michelle Martine who he later married and had three more children with, okay? Detroux and Martine were actually both in prison when they got married in 1989. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry, what? Right, this is going to work out great. <laughs> yeah, wow. Okay, why were they in prison? We'll get to that. So okay. they were both in prison in 1989, they got married, and then they ended up getting divorced in 2003. Oh, well, that's quite a that's quite a run. Exactly. Yeah, they had quite a run. I think Sounds like success. I think me. you'll say that again when you hear oh, more about their marriage. So <laughs> okay. the crimes that we're going to focus on, again, happened in the mid-90s. But Detroux had actually already been up to this, like, kidnapping and raping young girls thing. And he had already been in prison for it back in 1989. So... Oh, yeah. He was, however, released early, and because of this, he was able to get back to reoffending. Of course. Yeah. What a great system. So he was released in 1991 after only serving three and a half years of an original 13-year sentence. Um, okay. 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 Yes. So let's talk about what he did to earn this harsh three and a half year sentence, shall we? Yes, please. Okay. I am like just chomping at the bit. I need to know. So as I recount this, I'm only going to say the girl's first names because that's kind of like all that was offered in my research, but also because it's most likely because like they were minors. So. Right. The first thing that happened is Detroux abducted a girl named Excel. On December of 1985, and 
during her testimony, she told the police that Dutroux had an accomplice named Pettigem. Hmm, okay. I'm thinking of one of two things, like Peter Pettigrew, Pettigrew? or the man who had Pinocchio. What was his name? I don't know. I seriously thought the same thing about Peter Pettigrew. So this guy's name was Pettigem. Well, his name I'm already was... getting a very, very bad vibe from him. Yes, his name was Jean Van Pettigem. So mm. he told this girl, Excel that he was, quote, part of a gang whenever he abducted her. And Pettigem admitted to having taken part in the abduction. Was their gang, like, two people? Was like a two-people gang? So this is, honestly, I didn't think about this until you just brought this up, but I started, you know, doing all this research about these conspiracy theories, and there may have definitely been a lot of people involved. So I think oh. that his his word gang kind of alludes to more than what we can see right now. Mm-hmm. But that was just the word, that was just the verbiage he used, was that he okay. was part of a gang. Okay. So, yes. He said that he had abducted Excel with Mark Dutroux and Michelle Martin. So, remember who this is? Wait, so they met before prison? Yes, they met before prison, okay. but they got married while they were in prison. Remember, because he was, she was the, she was one of his mistresses of his first wife. Oh, yes. Okay, tale as old as time. I mean. <laughs> the true Belgian romance. Obviously. <laughs> so, Pettigem, Dutroux, and Martine, apparently all three abducted this girl who and Martine at the time was his mistress slash girlfriend okay so Pettigem said that he had lived with Dutroux after being discharged from the military and Mm -hmm. having his marriage fall apart so Pettigem told police that the first victims of his and Dutroux's were two other girls from another city but these two girls were never found or recovered by the police oh god yes so in June of 1985, the first proven abduction by the two took place. They abducted an 11-year-old girl named Sylvie. And then in October of 1985, the pair abducted another girl named Maria, who was 19. Okay, like they're just like fucking hanging around, abducting girls? Like yeah. nothing, nothing better I like to do with my man than fucking hang out on a Friday night and abduct some girls. Like, excuse me. Yeah, Why are you with this man? Michelle was totally involved, and it was basically kind of like, at this point, the records only indicate that it was Michelle Martin, Mark Dutroux, and Pettigem. So they were definitely picking up a lot of girls and abducting, kidnapping them. After they abducted Maria, she also identified a third man that took part in her abduction, and he appeared to be in his 50s. But this man was never found by the police. Hmm. So in January of 1986, a girl named Catherine, age 18, was abducted from another city. Like if I try to pronounce these, I'm probably going to butcher them, but she was abducted from Obey. Dutroux had one or two accomplices in her abduction as well that were also reportedly never found by the police. Okay. Like what is the... I can't even lie. When you said Mark Dutroux, I had to go on Google and like actually see this guy and... Like, what is the, like, mystery? What's the pull? Because this guy looks like your average child molester. Yeah, I If we're going to be honest. Yeah, if we're going to be honest, I think that the charm with him is all from the mustache. Yeah, it's very grand. It's very grand. It is grand. It looks well-groomed and very intentional. And it's very dark and very, um, aggressive. <laughs> It goes back to what we were saying many, many episodes ago about you have a being mustache. a criminal and having a mustache. <laughs> Wait, oh my God. His mustache is probably like more intense than a Burt Reynolds mustache. A little bit. It's kind of p- pointing downward on the ends. Like, so very, he's like probably yeah. like a very sad person. It's really aggressive. Yeah, yeah, he's very solemn and serious, you know, like not a mustache you want to mess with. Yeah, he kind of looks like Jeffrey Dahmer's older brother, but um, but I'm a darker just... version, a, a a Belgian version, exactly. 
the yeah. dark Belgian chocolate version. <laughs> so, exactly. so these girls are getting abducted and they're saying, yeah, you know, for sure, Detroit was one of the guys who abducted me. And then Petagem was one of the guys. But then there were also these other people that they were describing that the police could never like nail down or they could never find. Um, but, you know, the only thing that they could prove was that, you know, those three were for sure involved. Um, the, hmm. the two men along with Michelle. Okay. So Petagem was stationed as army personnel in Germany um, during the time of Catherine's abduction, though. So he could not have assisted Dutroux. So there were for sure another, you know, two different men that were involved. Okay. And then in December of 1985, Dutroux abducted Elizabeth, which is 15. Pettigem told police that Dutroux filmed Elizabeth naked and took pictures of her. Okay, so that was my next question. Like, they're just, um, they are kidnapping these girls, taking them, and then doing what with them? They're sexually abusing them, torturing them, holding them. Um, basically, all really bad things that you okay. wouldn't want to happen. But it seems like they're taking these girls and they are sexually abusing them, raping them, um, and just generally holding them against their will. And there's quite a few of them right you know, that, yeah that they're doing this too and this is just his first this is like just before his first prison sentence yes this is before the first time that he was arrested um okay. and it seems like almost every couple of months they were picking up another girl so at the beginning of february 1987 michelle martin dutro and pettigem were arrested so this had to a large extent been to the fault of Pettigem, who had been giving information about himself in conversation <laughs> with the girls. <laughs> so enough for whenever the girls like found the police or whenever the police found the girls, they were able to identify him during their testimonials. Yeah, so, he sounds like your average narcissist. Yeah, he was like telling them all kind of personal information. So they were able to definitely positively identify him. Okay. So the three were eventually convicted on April 26, 1989, and Dutroux received 13 and a half years, Pettigem received six and a half years, and Martine received five years. Okay, for okay. abducting and raping all of these girls. Yeah. Um, I don't even get me started on how fucked up every justice system is. Yeah, and that's like part of the deep dive on this. Okay, so... Dutroux received a harsher sentence because he had also committed several robberies with Pettigem. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. These guys seem like your regular wanky swankers. <laughs> wanky swankers. <laughs> I already hate them so much, so I'm, like, just sitting here judging them so harshly. And, or, you know, swanky wankers. <laughs> I don't want to call them swanky. Fine, just they're wankers. Not Swanky would be like a compliment. That just a wanker. <laughs> a wanky with some more. <laughs> a bloody wanker. <laughs> I'm so sorry if anybody in the UK is listening and that's like a bad, bad word. They um, hate us. I'm anyway. not sorry. Fuck that. I'm sorry if our accents are terrible, but that's it. <laughs> bloody wanker. <laughs> so Dutroux was thus additionally convicted for the brutal robbery of a 58-year-old woman. Oh, and my God. What is wrong with this man? That's why he got a harsher sentence. So the robbery was also committed with accomplices. And one of the accomplices in this robbery was also never found by the police. I mean, honestly, this is, like, I'm very, very um, skeptical. That would be like if I go rob a bank by myself and I'm like, yeah, but somebody was with me. Well, I think that – so what's important – I know like, that the other people are saying that there were other people there, yeah. but it just seems very skeptical to me. It does seem sketchy. And so it's important here to realize that, first of all, Dutroux is a career criminal, and right. I also think that he does have a knack for roping other people into committing crimes with him as accomplices. But I want you to keep in mind that there is a possibility that there were more people – involved that the police just quote couldn't find oh now i'm catching on 
Wow. Okay. Okay. So keep that in mind as we move forward. This is a really fun journey that we're taking. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) So obviously this man is super charismatic because while he was in jail, Dutroux managed to convince a health professional that he was disabled because of a mental illness. Um, okay, what was this mental illness? Well, he, I, I'm not really sure, but he was then able to collect public assistance from the Belgian Ooh, government okay. of $1,200 a month. <gasps> Excuse yes. me? Yes, girl, $1,200 a month. This is in the late 80s? Yes, in the late oh my 80s, God. early I... 90s. <laughs> Girl, the police. This is ridiculous. Gave it to him. The police are the ones giving him the money. Oh my God. This is ridiculous. I know, right? So he furthermore convinced this same professional that he needed sedatives for sleeping problems. So Dutroux would later go on to use those sedatives to sedate his victims. (gasps) Oh. Oh yes. my God! Wow! I know. Wow! I bet that really—I bet that fucking went over like a turn in a punch bowl in court. <laughs> Where'd you get these? My, my doctor from prison. <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> doctor from prison. I mean, what in the fuck? S- side cut to the doctor from prison. <laughs> <laughs> Color me surprised. Okay. They told me he had trouble sleeping. (laughs) So get this. Dutroux owned seven small houses. Okay. Okay. I am fucking done. I am done with this case already. I can barely pay my rent. I know. I do this podcast for fun. I'm not getting... No, I'm just kidding. And he's getting $1,200 from the government, okay? From prison. Most of his houses were vacant, but he did use three of them to torture the girls that he kidnapped. Okay, I'm just getting so pissed off. Like, I'm just so mad. Yeah. So even though he owned several houses and the government knew this, his state assistance still was not cut. And side note, what the government was unknowingly helping to fund, in his residence in Marcinelle, he constructed a concealed dungeon in the basement. Oh. Okay, and I'm guessing that this dungeon wasn't for Dungeons and Dragons and other games that were culturally appropriate or just appropriate in general. No, Mm-mm. these are not games. No. I am fucking done with Mark. Dutroux had actually been described by the psychiatrist who examined him for trial as a psychopath. Oh, wow. No Color me surprised. You don't fucking say. I am shook. So this early release of Dutroux was against the advice of the public prosecutor and against the advice of the psychiatrist who had had examined him in prison and stated that he was still dangerous. They were like, do not release this dude, especially after three years. Like, what are you doing? And they were like, go ahead, sir. Yes. The early release was granted who was at the time the Belgian Minister of Justice, and his name was Melchior Wathelet. <laughs> oh, you can't make that shit up. Wow. I'm doing my best wow. here. I'm sure that's probably not his name, but I'm just saying oh, it. Oh, wow. Okay. What a name. His reputation precedes him. Yes. Okay, so we've got all of this happening before the main right. stage. Okay, so this is all wrapped up in a nice little box. He'd already been in prison. He was released early against advice of professionals and prosecutors. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about Belgium itself in the early and mid-90s and possibly before. So okay. in a documentary that I watched about Detroit, numerous people are recorded saying that at the time, it was definitely not uncommon for girls to go missing. Young girls and teenagers. Okay. Okay. And apparently the mood surrounding these happenings was incredibly lax by the police. They generally assured the family that they are sure that the girls had just run away and that they'd be back soon. So it was actually common practice for the police to not even think about taking the case seriously until the girl had been gone for at least 48 hours. 
from what we know today, those first 48 hours are critical in a missing person's case, right? right? I mean, yeah, like, we have TV shows sure. called The First 48 because yeah. most violent kidnappers tend to murder or, in the very least, seriously harm their victims in that time frame, right? Right. And this documentary is just really heartbreaking because it's like the parents of these girls talking about how the police did not take their case seriously. On June 24th, 1995, eight-year-old classmates Julie Lejeune and Melissa Russo disappeared after going for a walk together in the city of Grace Halone. Two months later, in the early hours of August 23rd in Austin, Anne Marshall and Effie Lambricks, two teenage girls from Hasselt, were walking on their way back to their holiday home in West End, following a night out together where they went to a show put on by a hypnotist. Hmm. Okay. Show. Normal. So there's actually a film of the two girls volunteering at the show and going on stage and participating, but they disappeared after the show and they never returned home. Okay. The police told their family that they were sure that they were just out, quote, looking for adventure and not to worry. Um, yeah, sure. Because the second my kid doesn't come home, that's the, that's what I'm going to think. Adventure. Yeah. Yeah, fucking right. Exactly. Oh. And okay. the, the family actually had to make their own posters and conduct their own <gasps> searches even after six months because the police just weren't that interested. Okay. Then on the morning of May 28th, 1996, 12-year-old Sabine Darden, who was cycling to school in Tournai, disappeared and never made it home from school. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. This is so sad. And then finally, on August 9th, 14-year-old Letitia Delhez was walking home from her local swimming pool in Bertrix when she went missing and never returned home and then was soon later reported missing by her parents. Oh, that's so sad. It's so fucking sad. Again, people in Belgium report that at this time, girls going missing was just very commonplace and was kind of almost treated like petty theft. Like, they said that they... The people said that they never would have assumed that all of these girls were being actually abducted, much less it being possible that they were all taken by the same person. So right. what happened to them is the question. Okay. I don't know if I'm ready, but. Well, hold on to your butt because here we go. <laughs> Let me get it. Okay. <laughs> God. Okay. So before I start describing what happened to these girls, there's a laundry list of characters that were involved here and who are now seen as accomplices. So I'm going to introduce them to you so that you'll know them when you hear them. It's a okay. lot of French names and it can get kind of confusing. So, Oh, great. First, our old friend, Michelle Martin. Oh, my bestie. Who, by the way, was a primary school teacher. No. No. Yes. She was a teacher. Oh, my God. So she was like... Belgium's Mary Kay Letourneau, but worse. Yeah, kind of. Pretty much. Um, next was Michel Lelivre, which is a man. Okay, so like oh, Michel. bonjour. So like we have Michel Martin, then we have Michel Lelivre. So I'm just going to call him Lelivre so that we don't get them mixed up. And Bernard Weinstein. Michel, 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 Bernard. Michel, 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 and Bernard. Yes. Okay. So, for all intents and purposes, we have Michelle, Lelivre, and Bernard Weinstein. Okay. All right. Got it. So, again, on June 24th, 1995, eight-year-old classmates Julie Lejeune and Melissa Russo were kidnapped after going for a walk, most likely by Dutroux, and they were brought to his house in Marcinelle. Dutroux kept them imprisoned in the dungeon basement that he had created, and he repeatedly sexually abused them and produced pornographic videos of the abuse. Ugh, disgusting. Two months later, in the early hours of August 23rd, in Austin, Dutroux and accomplice, Lelivre, kidnapped Anne Marshall and Effie Lambrix, the two teenage girls who were on their way back from the hypnotist show. So, oh, okay. yes, because Lejeune and Russo were already in the dungeon in that house, Lambrix and Marshall were kept chained up in a bedroom in the same house. Oh, my God. So in September, according to Michelle Martin, which is his partner, Lambrix and Marshall were drugged and brought to Jumet, which is another town in Belgium, where Dutroux and an accomplice named Bernard Weinstein killed them by burying them alive in a hole in the ground. <gasps> oh, my God. 
Yes. Bury so, them alive. Yes. So we have these two girls, Lejeune and Russo, who are down trapped in the dungeon basement, right? Right. And then we have the other two that he had brought home and with Lelivra that were in the bedroom. He takes these two girls and then he takes them out to Jumet, which is another town, and he buries them alive with Bernard Weinstein. Okay. Ugh. Disgusting. Pig. Yes. yes. So around the time of Lambrick's and Marshall's deaths, Weinstein and another man, which was like one of his friends, I guess, named Philippe Divers, stole a van and hid it in this hangar where it was found by the hangar's owner and then was taken away by the police. So Detrue and Weinstein suspected that Divers and his friend Pierre Rochal had betrayed them and told the police about what they were doing to these girls. So... On the night of November 4th, wanting to interrogate them about what happened with the van, Detrue and Weinstein lured divers and Rochelle into Weinstein's home in Jumet and drugged them and isolated them before leaving to go to Rochelle's house to search for clues about them having any hard evidence against them. Okay, um, I'm just going to say if like you and I are involved in illegal, illicit activity, I am not taking any drinks from you, no food. Like, That's a good idea. Yeah, these people are fucking ballsy. Yeah, especially because, like, they're all accusing each other of everything. So, like, Weinstein right. – <laughs> yeah, like, Weinstein and Divers stole the van together. But now they're saying mm. that Divers and his friend, Rochelle, betrayed them and, like, ratted them out to the police. So now – Right. <laughs> yeah. So now Detrue and – Weinstein – Weinstein are going to Rochelle's house to search for, you know, to see if they have any evidence. So there they don't find anything except for Rochelle's girlfriend. Her name was Benedict Jadot, whom they took with them back to Jumet, and they questioned before leaving her again to go pick up another person who's not named. Oh, my God. This sounds like a lot of long, sleepless nights. And honestly, I just don't have, like, the... I don't have the want, but I just also don't have like the, I don't know. I don't I have the energy the girth, for this. But yeah, I don't have the energy for all of this um, activity. All of this like people grabbing and driving. And, and then like they're also in different cities in Belgium too. They're in like yeah. Jumet and then they're in Marcinelle and like all these different places. So right. while they were away going to get this, you know, other unnamed person, the girlfriend, Jadot, escaped and alerted a neighbor who called the police. So oh, fuck. at this point, Weinstein was already wanted by the police oh, God. in connection with stealing the van. Okay. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> dumbass. <laughs> I know. I, when it said that, I actually had to go back and look like, why was he wanted by the police? And it was like, he was wanted by the police because he stole a van. And I was like, oh. Yes, I forgot about that. Wow. Okay. So. Detrue decided to go ahead and kill him to prevent his own capture. Oh, cool. Yes. What a good friend. So he kidnapped Weinstein and held him in the dungeon basement at his house in Marcinelle between November 13th through the 20th. Um, these, these don't sound like, these don't sound like the kind of friends I want. Yeah. But whatever. So during this time that he was keeping him in the dungeon basement, he let the girls, Lejeune and Russo, roam freely around the house. Oh, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So after feeding him food laced with rohypnol, which um, is... A roofie. Yeah, it's like a powerful sedative that's often used as a date rape drug. Um, just FYI, it's a tranquilizer that depresses your central nervous system, and it's about 10 times more powerful than Valium. Holy fuck. Just for, just so you know. Honestly, I would probably just have a full-blown fucking heart attack and die right there. So get this. Dutroux laces Weinstein's food with Rohypnol, and then he places hose clamps around Weinstein's testicles <gasps> until Weinstein tells him where he keeps all of his money. Wow. Amazing. So this guy's really getting paid, like, got money to blow because he's already he's getting paid by the state. <laughs> on disability he's getting paid by his friend because he fucking electrocuted his testicles like wow yes. wow and then just for poetic justice detrue then killed weinstein by burying him Alive. in a hole on his property in sars la Brusière, and 
in December, Dutro was recognized by Rushow and was arrested. <gasps> what? Oh my god, this is crazy. This is a lot going on. Okay. There is it's like a very tangled web, so Yeah, I feel like I need a drama mean for this ride. Yeah, that's why I needed to like tell you all their names first. So according to Detru and Michelle Martin, Lejeune and Russo were still alive in the house at the time that Detru was arrested this time in December. And okay. Detru had ordered Michelle to leave food and water for the girls in the dungeon each time that like they dogs. ran out. Like dogs. That's so yeah, nice. Wow. Exactly like okay. dogs. Every time they ran out, he was like, okay, give them some new food and water. Michelle, however, neglected to feed them, mm. later claiming that she was too afraid to go into the dungeon. Mm. I'm not buying it, but okay. So, unfortunately, Lejeune and Russo eventually starved to death. And, <gasps> yes, Dutru initially stated that they were still alive when he returned home following his release from prison on March 20th, 1996. According to him, Lejeune died the day that he got home, and Russo followed suit four days later, despite his efforts to save her. You know, he's just saying that because he doesn't want to be charged with their murders, but he's totally okay with his girlfriend, Martine, being charged with their murders. Right. So, during his trial later, though, he changed his tune and said that they were already dead when he got home from prison that time. Mm-hmm. And an expert at the trial asserted that they would not have been able to survive the entire time Dutru was in prison with the small amount of food and water that they were said to have been given. That's so sad. Oh, that's disgusting. Yes. So Dutru buried Lejeune and Russo's bodies in the garden of the house he owned in sars le Boussière, either near to that of or in the same hole as Weinstein's body. You know, like, okay, I've always wondered, like, Every time I read a book about, like, England or France or any, like, sort of, you know, foreign place, everybody always talks about their garden. Like, what are these gardens like? Like, is it like a garden garden like we have here? Is it just a backyard? Like, what the fuck is it? I I feel like this guy's garden is a little different because he's, like, burying bodies out there. I read a book where people buried some bodies in their garden and, like... Sound like your regular old backyard to me, but I don't mm-hmm. know. Like that Unsolved Mysteries where the guy from France killed his whole family and buried <gasps> them in the garden. Buried them in the garden a, underneath the steps. Exactly. Yeah, and it was just a regular fucking backyard. So I just want to know, like, if you're listening and you're from France or England, please let me know. I am so curious. What is your garden like? Can you tell me? I mean, you don't need that much space to bury a body, you know? Like, you just need to dig really deep. Oh, God. Ugh. You know, I mean, like, you probably only need, like, six feet by three feet and then dig it six feet deep, right? I mean, I'm not even worried about the bodies. I just want to know what these gardens contain. Oh, you're just worried about, like, what's in the actual garden? Like, what kind of flowers they're growing or what? Yeah, yeah, like, fuck the bodies (laughs) Are we talking vegetables here? Are we talking like... Like that's really like my biggest concern. Variances of flowers. Yeah. Yeah. Like what do you guys do in the garden? Because in some books I read like y'all eat in the garden and other books I read where like your kids play in the garden. But like you've got to understand that from where we're from, a garden sounds like something very fancy. Yeah. It's also hotter than the devil's butthole here. So we can't eat outside. Ever. No, absolutely not. Unless you Either want your that skin to peel or off. the mosquitoes <laughs> that are like large pterodactyls here would just swoop in and carry us away. Give you the West Nile and the malaria. <laughs> okay. okay, sorry for that deviation, but I just needed to I just need to know. We need to know about the garden. What's your garden? Tell like? us about your garden. Please. If you Let live outside know. of the US. Yeah. So because Detru had been released again <sighs> on the morning of May 28th, 1996, Detru and his accomplice, Michelle Lalivre, the same guy from before, kidnapped 12 year old Sabine Dardin, who, if you remember, was cycling to school in Ternai. So, oh. 
Okay, in a book, Sabine. yes, in a book that was published in the UK under the title "I Choose to Live," Darden described her time in captivity in Detrue's Marcinel home, where she spent most of the time imprisoned in the dungeon and was starved and repeatedly raped by Detrue. Oh my gosh! Okay, wow, go yes. girl! Oh my god, that poor girl! Yes, and then on August 9th of that same year, Detrue and Lelivra kidnapped another girl. 14-year-old Letitia Delhez as she was walking home from her local swimming pool in Bertrix. Okay. The difference, though, was that this time an eyewitness observed Detrue's van and described it, and he was able to identify even a part of the license plate. Oh. Yes. On August 13th, Detrue, Michelle Martin, and Lelivra were arrested. (gasps) Okay. Yes. So an initial search of Detrue's houses proved inconclusive, but mm. two days later, Dutroux and Lelivra both made confessions. And that same day, Dutroux led the police to the basement dungeon inside which Dardenne and Delhez were imprisoned, and the girls were subsequently rescued and survived. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. So, I mean, there's some pretty strong girls. Like yeah. Strong-willed and... Absolutely. And thankfully, Letitia was only held in there for a few days from the 9th to the 13th. But the other girl, Sabine, had been in there for a while. So they're super strong. So yeah. on August 17th, Detroux led the police to his house in Sars le Boussier. And with his help, they were able to locate and exhume the bodies of Lejeune, Russo, and Weinstein. I'm sorry, what year is this again? Like 1996. Mid okay, mid-90s. 1996, yes. Okay. So then on September 3rd, the remains of Marshall and Lambrix were located and exhumed in the city of Jumet. Hundreds of commercial adult pornographic videos, along with a large number of homemade sex films that Drew had made with Michelle Martin, were recovered from his properties as well. Oh my god, this does sound like Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, I know, right? The Like the Belgium crazy. Jeffrey Epstein, right? Yeah. Woo! Okay. So that's pretty much an overview of all the things that went down with Detrue and his wife and his accomplices. So a very tangled web they weave. Indeed. And I just want to ask, like, was Detrue, like, bisexual or was, like, okay, so whenever he was, like, a male sex worker? Yeah, well, I don't know if he was bisexual. The research would say or you know from what I saw in the research it basically says that he was doing the sex work just to get by but it wouldn't Mm -hmm. surprise me if he was using that as a way to get people to do what he wanted you know because he's got like a lot of these guys who are coming in and being accomplices and helping them so Mm -hmm. it wouldn't surprise me even though him and Michelle were married there was probably a lot of other stuff going on too. Oh, I'm so I'm sure. I'm so, sure. Yeah, there's nothing that explicitly states that Detrue was uh, bisexual, but I it would not surprise me in the least if he was using that as a way to you know get these men to basically do yeah. whatever he said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, what's even crazier than these stories though? is some of the stuff that I had alluded to before, you know, were all of these accomplices that were possibly involved but were never named, and the theories that come along with this. So there were a lot of things that were suspicious about this from the get-go, about the investigation. Um, There were some serious, serious, serious errors by law enforcement Mm -hmm. and prosecution during the investigation process. And these crazy releases of Dutroux, like they released him from prison like four or five times. Lots of theories and accusations of multiple cover-ups involving some very important people in the Belgian government. And also a resulting change in the landscape of justice due to the public outcry that followed this case. So in this next episode, that's what we're going to kind of cover is sort of the aftermath of these happenings and what went down between the government and the people and also the gross misconduct of law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And to me, while I was reading this, that this is whenever my jaw just started to drop is like the way that the police handled this and the things that they quote unquote saw or things that they missed or things that they didn't test or things that happened. Yeah. 
there's a lot of sketchy shit going on. Oh my god. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> so make sure that you tune in next time to episode 10, and we are going to talk all about law enforcement and prosecution errors, possible cover-ups, fringe theories, all of the exciting stuff that goes along with this case. Yes. Oh, my God. Can't yeah. wait to see you guys. Um, in the meantime, we will post some pictures of things that are relating to today's episode, including pictures of Mark DeTrue, his accomplices, um, as well as some of the victims. So you can find that on our Instagram at Gals and Gore, all one word. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can email us at galsandgore at gmail.com. Yeah. And please do not forget to rate us, review us, and subscribe to us because we really, really, really want to know what you guys think. Um, like I said earlier, even if it's terrible, <laughs> we really want to know. Um, and please subscribe because that's how other people find out about us. So. Yeah, and we really want you to get a notification for this next episode coming out because you're going to want the follow-up on this. It's pretty nuts. Yeah. Pretty gnarly. Yeah. Okay. So I can't wait to talk to you about it next week, Gail. Yes, girl. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my thank God. God they called, thank God they called the police. That last time someone finally called the police. Uh, I know. Even though the police are probably involved, but okay. You can't see what I'm doing with my eyes, viewers, listeners. It's very impressive, though. <laughs> I'm here to tell you that. It's very impressive. Uh, all right, you guys. Love you, boy. Boy. Oh, you took off your diaper? No. Liar. <laughs>